0: Um, for weeks and months, we learned today, the president was, um, former president, was planning this um, insurrection. You just, you all, and I, I guess, and Rick and Rick and Gio and Fran and everybody, we just weren't paying close enough attention to to realize it? Got it. Got because it. that's basically what we were told today. Now, I played for you Mark Meadows yesterday, saying that the president was offered up 10,000 National Guard troops at the end of the year, I believe he said, and he was dismissed out of hand or that it wasn't needed or whatever, whoever. And again, the question is, what is, when did Pelosi know? What did McConnell know? When did they know it? Who dismissed or disregarded the National uh, Guard? But we're supposed to believe after listening today that the same president who offered that up for months now and weeks has um, planned an insurrection against those same troops that were at the Capitol. That's what we're supposed to believe. So, that makes sense. It's just um, Ted Lou and um, Eric Swalwell told us that because, you know, at a good circus, you need two clowns, and that's basically what we got today. So, but uh, no better night to have a constitutional expert, brilliant, with us, and that's exactly what we have here to kick off the show, and that would be one Jenna Ellis. Welcome back to Live from Studio 6B. How are you?
1: Great! Thanks so much for having me on this—the uh, complete political theater day.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I saw somebody complaining about um, uh, who was it? Hawley, I guess, went up to the uh, to the top seats because he. Um, Somebody was complaining that he wasn't paying attention. And I tweeted today, well, he, he just chose to go to the mezzanine here for the theater. And uh, yeah. that's what he decided to do. But, you know, on this show, we spend a lot of time talking about the Constitution, what's in the Constitution. But it seems to me throughout these two days and before this is all started, we should be talking about what's not in the Constitution. And you better than anyone would be able to tell us that what is the historical or factual basis for what is going on. I don't believe the Constitution says this. I don't believe the Federalist Papers say it. I don't believe it was argued at the Constitutional Convention that you can go after a former president of the United States, a private citizen who now lives in Florida. Is that that how you understand it?
1: Yeah, and all we have to do is actually look at the text of the Constitution. In Article 1, Section 3.6, uh, the key word there is the president. And so we're talking about the current president. America only at any given time has one president. And uh, so to go, how you open the show to say, oh, the president, well, and clarifying, the former president, right? So President Trump uh, no longer holds office. And so impeachment uh, as a mechanism to remove a current city office holder no longer applies once that person is no longer in office. And so we're seeing that this uh, completely sham of an impeachment, it's not an impeachment, it's not even a trial at this point, because we don't have a judge. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts is not presiding. And in Article 1, that same section, it says that when the trial of the president happens, then the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court shall preside. Justice Roberts is not presiding over this proceeding. It's fully unconstitutional. And then if you go down to section 3.7, it talks about judgment in cases of impeachment when there is a conviction shall not extend further than removal from office. Well, we can't remove President Trump. His term has already ended, and he is no longer the office holder. So we're not in an impeachment. We're not even in a trial. This is just ridiculous political theater, and it's designed so that the Democrats have a completely false narrative that they continue to perpetuate. And it's not just President Trump that they're putting on with this sham trial. It's 74 million Americans that stand for the Constitution, the rule of law, and the principles that President Trump advocated during his four years in office. That's what they're putting on trial, because they want to convince you and me to simply shut up and to coerce us by saying, we will come after you. And if we come after President Trump as a private citizen, we are now completely ignoring all of the parameters here that, uh, by in the Senate to doing its legitimate job, and we can come after you as well.
0: Yeah, you said um, you know. I think the plain sentence is the the Chief Justice shall preside. I believe is what the language is. And here you have somebody presiding over this that number one is going to vote guilty. So I, could you could you imagine being a defendant walking into a court uh, and knowing that the judge is going to vote guilty and is also going to rule and preside over this uh, rule over you? That's I mean I don't know another court uh, trial that that happens i mean it's pretty stunning to watch and as you said the irony of all of this jenna is the word textualist because we all watch these supreme court nominations go up in front of the senate and we hear oh it's a living document it it, it changes it's a oh, the, and they talk about textualism they go oh no no not to well the last couple of days all the democrats are textualists now which is which is good to know
1: which, well, which is hilarious because they're not even referring back to the actual text itself. So I'm not really sure how they can call themselves textualists when they're not even going by the plain language of the Constitution. But it's really funny, again, how Democrats love to say that they're constitutionalists and that they go by law and order when they're manipulating it to serve their outcome-driven purposes. But then they totally forgot about that all last summer when they were out uh, making these incredibly much more insightful rhetoric and they were I mean we have you know Kamala Harris who is currently the sitting vice president who bailed out uh, some of these writers who committed violence and yet somehow you know nobody's lining up yet of the Democrat party to say hey we should impeach her uh, you know they're they're actually now saying um, essentially if they want to move forward and not be the hypocrites that we know Democrats are they are now voting for their own impeachments because if this becomes the standard then they're saying that their own uh, rhetoric over the last year is then worthy of impeachment removal from office and disqualification never serving it
0: you know the one thing i hope the american people are, are picking up on and know and i'd like for you to comment on it is the idea of all this footage that's being shown there's not a courtroom in this country, I don't care who the judge was appointed to, it could have been Obama, it could have been Trump, that would allow any of this into the court. I mean, this is why we have rules of evidence, but yet here is the, here are the Democrats with the overdramatic emotional plea to the American people to look at this. And I even see commentators who you would think lean more conservative on, on Twitter going, oh, look at this, I never saw this. None of this would be admissible, correct?
1: Well, this is why the Democrats are doing this in the forum of the Senate rather than a forum of the, of a court of law, because they know that if they actually had to play by uh, the actual rule of law, the rules of evidence, and get an indictment um, and have an actual criminal proceeding, not only would none of this come in, but uh, they couldn't even get that at all. And so they're not doing this in a legitimate forum. And that's why we as conservatives, as constitutionalists, uh, should not legitimize this by calling this An impeachment trial It is only political theater It's an unconstitutional proceeding And we should not legitimize it By calling it something that it is not Because words matter And the mainstream media and the leftists And these people who don't care about anything Other than hating on President Trump And they are outcome driven We can't go by their ridiculous narrative And we should not call this something That it legitimately is not
0: Yeah A couple of things I'd like you to talk about for the audience. And the first one is the idea of when the framers debated the impeachment clause, one of the things I think and you you can correct me, they debated what they didn't want is for the office of the president during something like this to kind of be um, held hostage by Congress. So they tried to put things in that wouldn't allow that to happen. Isn't that right?
1: Oh absolutely and they you know they debated uh, the impeachment clause they even debated the language of uh, the subject matter that would warrant uh, an impeachment and they rested on treason bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors. It's not for any political purpose that the opposition party can simply file uh, impeachment papers for any uh, so called crime. And so this is what we went through in the first impeachment of Donald Trump which it's it's insane actually actually, that we're here in impeachment redux, this feels like deja vu. And we all went through this, again, to say you have to have a legitimate act that falls under the language of what you can impeach a president for. And so, uh, you know, this is something where not only do they not have the president anymore, so they don't even have what we call personal jurisdiction over a private citizen to haul him into a proceeding before the Senate. But they don't even have something here that qualifies as treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors based on face and on the evidence of uh, what they're presenting. Because if we look at the Supreme Court case um, for f- freedom of speech, which was the whole incitement uh, kind of rhetoric, uh, is Brandenburg versus Ohio. And this is very, very clear of what's protected under the First Amendment and what actually rises to the level of inciting eminent lawless action. That's the standard. And when you have what the evidence here clearly shows, that this was planned days and weeks in advance going to what you just said about how, you know, President Trump offered, uh, you know, more assistance, all of this. We know now that uh, this was planned so far in advance and actually started while he was still speaking. So there's not a factual basis here to say that he incited imminent lawless action. But the Democrats don't care about any of this. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about standard. All they care about is the outcome.
0: And the last thing I w- I'd like you to take a minute or so and just describe, because we look at this and you talk about the violation of the First Amendment, violation of um, due process and, uh, and everything the president wasn't afforded. Um, he, it's, it's almost like they they create a different class of citizenship just for him. He the, no, there's no rule. He has his own rules. But can you also talk about the violation of the bill of attainder uh, clause? Because a lot of people, I think, are maybe hearing that in the fr- last couple of days for the first time.
1: Yeah, and, um, and and to get to your, your point about, uh, you know, that no one is uh, is above the law, you know, that was rhetoric that the Democrats used last time that they're doing uh, now as well. But no one is below the law either. And that's how they're treating President Trump. Um, they're saying that he doesn't uh, deserve due process, he doesn't deserve the Constitution to be fairly applied. And so what's happening here, again, is the same thing as we said last time with bill of attainder, that's basically where um, you, are, you are tried and there's a legislative uh, judgment against Against You and it's not through due process It's not through the judicial branch It's a legislative declaration Of guilt and that's what uh, The founders expressly Said we're not going to have This sort of legislative fashion and just A declaration of guilt we have To have due process here and that's why We have a separation of powers Now does the constitution say That impeachment is given to The house and then the trial is In the senate yes but it has to be Again on that limited subject matter it has to be a current office holder. And that's why article one section 3.7 says that uh, the judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office, which is a precondition for the second possibility, which is disqualification from federal office ship. And so this is why this isn't a criminal proceeding. You can't have the Senate imposing other sorts of punishment like you would see from a quasi criminal proceeding or any other sort of judgment that you would see in a regular judiciary forum. So this is something that's a totally different proceeding. It's completely unconstitutional how they're carrying it out. And this is why and I'll leave you with this. Americans and we the people have to become better educated in civics. We have to understand the Constitution. We have to understand how it's applied. And we have to send people not only just to our state legislatures, but also to Washington who understand this and are willing to abide by it. Because we are a nation of rules and our supreme rule of law is the U.S. Constitution. We are all under that. We are not a nation of rulers.
0: Absolutely. Well, I always love having you on. I had a lot more to ask you, but we'll get to it next time. Uh, if you're welcome, if you're, uh, you know, you can come back. It'll be great. We love having you on and thank you very much. Thanks so much. Jenna Ellis here, live from Studio 6B. Just getting started on a Wednesday night. Back right after this.
2: Trump were elected, I believe he'd
3: be impeached pretty quickly. There's a very good chance that Donald Trump could face impeachment. Impeach Donald Trump!
4: We've got to do something about him. And you impeach somebody if you're just being who they are? Impeach
5: 45. We've introduced five articles of impeachment.
6: We're I'm gonna go in there, we're gonna impeach them all. The House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. He should
3: be impeached. We will impeach Donald John Trump. Article one
2: is adopted.
6: Well, I think it's important we get on with the business, getting him out of
3: office. And citing sedition as he did yesterday, he must be removed
1: the Norfolk FBI office issued a warning based on information they received a day before the Capitol was attacked last week. What happened after that to leave police
2: unprepared remains unknown.
0: More evidence suggesting the insurrection may have been pre-planned. The two pipe bombs placed at the RNC and DNC headquarters
3: were left the night before. Three days before the Capitol riot, the Pentagon and Justice Department reached out to Capitol Police to offer manpower, but Capitol Police turned both offers down.
5: As this enormous crowd shows, we have truth and justice on our side. We have a deep and enduring love for America in our hearts. We love our country. We have overwhelming pride in this great country, and
3: we have it deep in our souls. Together, we are determined to defend and preserve government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard
5: The Constitution only empowers Congress to impeach and remove a president from office. Once he's out of office, Congress loses jurisdiction. If we convict him, we can then, by only 51 votes, remove him from ever running for office again.
3: Barring him from running for office again. He can never run again. Ban uh, former
1: President Trump from running again.
3: Keep him from running for office again.
0: Studio 6B, man, I thought that was fantastic, put together by his old campaign manager, Brad Parscale. Yeah,
4: that was, wow.
0: Yeah. That punches him right in the face. And uh, pretty good. So, well, Jenna Ellis is just fantastic, isn't she? I mean, man. Yeah. She's as good as they come. Man, that segment went so quick. And um, unlike Chuck Cooper and people like that, Jenna sticks to what um, the Constitution says. So, and this idea that they have this power to do this, as we've discussed, and um, I saw Ted Cruz today put out an article. I happen to see it on, on the Fox News website, and it says, should the Senate exercise jurisdiction over Trump's impeachment trial? He says, why the answer matters. I didn't know that was the question. I thought the question was, is, it, is this whole process constitutional? Should the Senate exercise jurisdiction over Trump's impeachment trial? He says nothing in the text of the Constitution requires the Senate to choose to exercise jurisdiction. He says the constitutional question of whether a former president can be impeached or tried after he has left office is a close legal question. On balance, I believe that the better constitutional argument is that a former president can be impeached and tried. This is Ted Cruz. That is, that the Senate has jurisdiction to hold a trial. So I saw this and I mean, I'm shaking my head after the first paragraph because, number one, again, I didn't know that was the question at hand, whether the Senate had jurisdiction. I thought the question and what they voted on um, the other day, and Senator Kennedy from Louisiana uh, threw in with the Democrats, I thought the question was whether this whole process was constitutional, what I just talked to Jenna Ellis about. So Senator Cruz says, I believe the better constitutional argument is that a former president can be impeached and tried. That is, that the Senate has jurisdiction to hold a trial. However, nothing in the text of the Constitution requires the Senate to choose to exercise jurisdiction. In these particular circumstances, I believe the Senate should decline to exercise jurisdiction, and so I voted to dismiss this impeachment on jurisdictional grounds. So, I, so Senator Cruz thinks that the Senate has the power to go after a private citizen, I guess, but he doesn't feel like they have jurisdiction, and that's why he's against it? That's, um, that's a surprise to me.
4: Well, that's like Cassidy yesterday. Well, the other guys, uh, they seem more prepared, so I'm going to vote with them. You know, it's, it's that argument. It's like, well, what are you really trying to say?
0: Well, no, it's, it, the argument is, what are you voting on? The, the vote is, I believe the vote was on whether this was constitutional, not whether it's you have jurisdiction. Right. So, I mean, by reading the first three paragraphs of this, it seems to me that Senator Cruz thinks that, that the, the Senate has the power to impeach a former official, president or i guess maybe any level official once they're out of office. Um which is quite frankly um surprising. And I'll link to this on our social media so you can read it for yourself and come and maybe maybe you'll come to a different determination of what he what he's trying to say here. Um because I don't know what he's. I mean, I can only surmise of what he says in this opening paragraph, which is the better constitutional argument is that a former president can be impeached and tried. That is that the Senate has jurisdiction to hold a trial, but he doesn't. He says nothing in the Constitution requires the Senate to choose to exercise jurisdiction. So that's why he voted against it. Hmm. So that's that one's that's uh, I don't know. That's, a, that's what they call a head scratcher. Yeah. That is that is a head scratcher because, coming from Senator
4: De Cruz. Well, well and, and because it, it's almost like he's trying to do a juggling act where, well, does does the Congress or the Senate, do, do they have that kind of power? Where is it spelled out that they have that kind of power over a former president or former office holder?
0: I, I don't know if it's in there. Well, he says Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution gives the House, quote, the sole power of uh, impeachment. And Section 3 gives the Senate, quote, the sole power to try all impeachments. At the time the Constitution was adopted, there was meaningful debate over whether impeachment encompassed so-called late impeachments, i.e., after the person had left office. But, but again, this, this kind of gets to the, you either argue what the Constitution says is binding or you can infer things from it that are not there. So what I said to Jenna, it's, it's, we talk about as much of what's in it, but in this case, we're talking about what's not in it. And where is this power spelled out? Because it doesn't seem to be in there. It doesn't seem to be in any of the the Federalist Papers or any of the debates, the months of debates at the Constitutional Convention. So where is it, I think, is the question. Right.
4: Well that's actually a, a question that uh, I think everybody should be asking is like, well where, where do you guys think you're getting this power from? Where does that come from, and especially since there is no chief Justice sitting on this quote unquote uh, trial
0: Right they, So I mean because they created, their his, own,
4: they created their own court for this
0: right and under and again, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, as skilled on this as Jenna is, but under Senator Cruz's If we're going to infer certain things, well, we got to go. We'll get back to this. (laughs) All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Of Of course, the Real America's Voice app which all of you should have downloaded by now. You can always watch the show, watch past shows, watch all the other fantastic shows on this network as it continues to grow and grow and grow all day long. If you go to americasvoice.news, you can now chat in the live chat um, over there on the website. So you can get involved in all kinds of ways. Visit us on social media at LFS6B pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, uh rumble all the same and then instagram uh, lfs6b show and i don't take any pictures so there's not much there so it's not don't even bother (laughs) um 6bshirts.com if you want that crazy town shirt that live from studio 6b shirt thank you to everybody who's uh bought a shirt and again the emails last night were just fantastic i read all of them um couldn't be nicer i mean there's not one that says you guys suck I'm sure there'll be one Oh, <laughs> now right? it will oh, be. Yeah, of course. You didn't, you didn't get my email? No, nah, yours didn't right. come through. <laughs> Gee, and France didn't come through either, but that's fine. Um, all right, so we're going to do news, but let's lead into news because we spent very little time on this yesterday, and I want to spend more time on it because I listened. I mean, as much as I could listen to people like this Raskin and Swalwell and Ted Lieu because I ate a late breakfast and I wanted to keep it down, so I couldn't watch much of it. But uh, to listen to them... Try to frame this in this way that, oh, the, pres- the president had been planning for months. We have these people, these accounts of these people who told him Trump told them to do it, basically. I mean, it's so insane. And uh, I heard Alan Dershowitz say, this is not going well for the Democrats today. They're playing right into his hands with the way they're presenting this. Um... And violate the First Amendment, um, separation of powers, uh, due process, the uh, bill of attainder, all the things we talked to Jenna about. I mean, to think that we're going to listen to Eric Swalwell, who's sleeping with a Chinese spy, that we're going to listen to Ted (laughs) Lieu and take that seriously. When none of these people said a word about any of the violence we saw all summer, either you condemn violence, as we do, as we did or you don't. You don't pick and choose. It's like this, this Constitution. You don't pick and choose when you like it and then when you're trying to eviscerate it. When you stick sticking to the text and when you're trying to pack the courts. You know, they, they want you just to, you got to have almost like it's w- w- which way you're coming and going when, right. you, when you try to think about this yeah. party.
4: And, and, and they didn't say a word except negative words for the last four years leading up to this. You know, so, so all their statements, oh, no, no, don't look at what we say. We want, we want you to focus first. We want to focus on the speech. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you, you saw today the narrative change. Well, now we have to go back in time. Now we have to go three months back and six months. Look what he said last year. This is all leading up to. He's yeah. been priming them to get them to this point. Mm-hmm. But somehow, no violence up until this point. I don't
0: know. Well, I, w- I went back and looked at, I put together, a, um, I think this is hat tip from Grabian here, uh, some inciting, I went back to find some videos of incitement of the president um, leading up to this, all the inciting language over the years, and this is what I came up with, roll it.
3: I don't even know why there aren't uprisings oh. all over the country. Maybe
1: there will be. Oh. People need to start taking to the streets. This oh. is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Oh. Enemies of
2: the state.
5: Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite oh. and peaceful.
2: Do something <laughs> about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless When
7: they go low, we kick can- How oh. do
2: you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck?
7: Biggest terror threat in this country is white men most of them radicalized right up to the right
2: i thought he should have punched him in the face i said even if you lost he insulted your wife yes. he came on the escalator and called mexicans rapists and murders he said well what do you think i should have done i said i think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race mm-hmm. you would have been a hero
6: I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president?
0: They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump.
2: And that's a fact.
1: Look as his
3: character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? Hmm? I have thought Anymore, anywhere and sadly the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our constitution are right at 1600 pennsylvania avenue
2: they're not going to stop before election day in november and they're not going to stop after election day and that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels that this isn't they're not going to let up and they should not if you think we're rallying now you
3: ain't seen nothing yet
0: Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet, Mad Maxine says. Yeah. They should take to the streets, not give up, and everyone should take notice, the vice president says. Well, does any of that sound insightful? Does any of that sound uh, incendiary? I see impeachments on the horizon. Does any of that sound... um... I challenge anyone to go through Donald Trump's rallies from... 2015, 16 into the election, and 18, 19 into the election, and find any language in front of any microphone that resembles anything that I just played you, and send it to me. Anything. Find him saying put a bullet in someone's head. Finding find him saying to take somebody out tonight. Find anything he's ever said. That even comes close to resembling that. Let me know what it is. In the context of, of what he was talking about. I find it hard to believe you'll find it.
4: You know what? A- and if it was out there, they'd be playing it at nauseum. So chances are you're probably not going to find it. Or else they'd be using it every single day.
0: So Amazing. before we get to Mark Meadows, I wanted to play that. And... and Let's just get to Mark Meadows. So here's Mark Meadows, because of what we heard today, that the president planned this for weeks and months, just none of us were paying attention. None of us knew about it. And he was, um, I saw somebody tweet today that he sent the mob to go attack his own vice president. Someone's take on it was. How could you ever work with this guy again? He sent the mob to go after his own vice president. Some crackpot on Twitter tweeted. Here's Mark Meadows on Maria Bartiromo on Sunday saying something that I had not heard or known before. Rology. But
5: we also know this help was offered multiple times, not just in January, but throughout the summer with the D.C. mayor saying that the president stood by willing to offer a National Guard assistance, other assistance, and often, in fact, every time was rebuked and said, no, we can go it alone. And so they, they do need to get to the bottom of it. And hopefully we'll we'll see that in the very near future
1: so you say that the president had offered up capitol police national guard even went to the department of defense yeah,
5: and so we we also know that in January, uh, but also throughout the summer, that the president was very vocal in making sure that we had plenty of National Guard, plenty of additional support because he supports the rule of law, he supports our law enforcement, and offered additional help. Even in January, that was was given uh, as many as ten thousand National Guard troops were told to be on the ready by the uh, Secretary of Defense. That was a direct order from President Trump, and yet. He Here's what we see is there's all kinds of blame going around, but yet not a whole lot of accountability. That accountability needs to rest with where it it ultimately should
0: be, and that's on Capitol Hill. We have to go back, G. The more I watch this clip, I've got to go back and make sure that this is – he's talking about this January because it's almost almost not believable – That he offered up National Guard troops to the Capitol. He was dismissed by somebody who said, no, we don't need it. And we don't know who that person is yet. I can give you a hint. I have to make sure he's talking about this incident in this appearance, when this appearance was. Because the thing he said in there, which I didn't catch last night, was all the way back to last summer. Now, why would he be planning for the inauguration, talking to them about giving him Capitol Police last summer? We need to make sure this is the right context because it almost makes sense that if he's not talking about the Jan- January of 2021, the more I listen to that clip. Because how, would we, how do we not know who told the president – no one can tell the president not to send the National Guard there. I mean, I guess they could say, well, we don't really think we need him, sir. Well, and I guess he could say, okay, well, if you do, change your mind. If the de- if Secretary of Defense or someone at the – got to make sure that clip is the right clip.
4: Actually, what he was referring to, I think, was all the other um, problems where he was offering uh, National Guard troops to the cities, you know, like it's in Seattle and Portland, that were being rejected, and he had been offering it, them the help dating back to last summer. So this was a running theme. I think that's what Meadows was trying to say. This is a running theme that starting last summer, he had been offering all this help for the rule of law to make sure these things get out of hand. And, you know, just like in in Seattle and in Portland and in other cities, guess who rebuffs him? The mayors and the governors. They all say no, right? And I have a letter from the mayor of D.C., who was writing at the time and this was a date of january 5th day before dear acting attorney general rosen secretary mccarthy and acting secretary miller uh let me sum up let me jump right to the bottom because uh what led up to this was the police chief of dc requesting help she sums up her letter in the last paragraph to say to be clear the District of Columbia is not requesting other federal law enforcement personnel and discourages any additional deployment without immediate notification to, consultation with MPD if such plans are underway. The protection of persons and property is our utmost concern and responsibility. MPD is well trained and prepared to lead the to lead the law enforcement coordination and response to allow for peaceful demonstrations of First Amendment rights in the District of Columbia. And again, that's from D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. And I guess she s- sent that letter the day before because the former chief of the U.S. Capitol Police had requested numerous times, former Chief Stephen Sund, this from the NPR on January the 11th. Um, he ended up resigning his post after this, but he had requested help leading up to this six different times and was rebuffed every time.
0: Okay, so Geo just sent me an article from Real Clear Politics from this past weekend. So it says Meadows' appear- this appearance was from this past weekend. And he says um, says former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows weighed in on Biden's call for unity in the Democrats impeachment trial against Trump during this interview with Maria Bartiromo on Sunday Morning Futures. Um, so it says he says, even in January, that was a given, as many as 10,000 national troops were told to be on the ready by the Secretary of Defense under direct order from President Trump. That was a direct order from President Trump, and yet, um, here, here is what we see, all kinds of blame going around. So it, it, it was in the context of the Capitol riot. So. I to make sure of that. So that's just Unbelievable. I will right, we'll deal more with this after we do some sports, after we get back, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. All right, 13 till the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Rick Delgado's got some news. Uh, we're talking about the um, Sham Theater today in uh, the Senate. Uh, But right now, let's do some sports. Tom Brady had a good day today.
3: Yeah, and uh, here with the sports is uh, Rick Camerati. What's going on, pal? Yeah, we'll get to tequila Tom in a minute, Big D. But, uh, let's go talk to, uh, NCAA men's basketball. Just some quick scores for you all. Uh, number nine, Virginia, leads Georgia Tech 55-47. That's uh, with about a minute to go in the second half. And we have uh, Houston up 74-55 to right now over South Carolina. That's in the second. Uh, Iowa leads Rutgers 34-25 at the half. And number 16, Tennessee, over Georgia forty one twenty six. that's early first quarter. And NHL action, New York Rangers and Boston Bruins are tied at one. And the Canadians lead the Maple Leafs 1-0, light night in the NHL. NBA basketball, right now the Raptors are up 103-91 to over the Wizards, that's in the third. The Hawks lead the Mavericks 60-52. to I think they played the national anthem there tonight, and that was in the second. <laughs> and, Don't get me uh, started on Mark Cuban right now. Yeah, well, we're going to get to him too, Big D. Don't worry. Uh, Timberwolves right now lead the Clippers 37-29. to 29. That's in the second. Hornets and Grizzlies 45 all tied in the second. And right now the, P- the Nets leading the Pacers 27-20. Nets need to get back into their winning ways. Tom Brady, Tequila Tom, showed up to the Buccaneers Super Bowl parade in his new $2 million boat with a police escort. MSN uh, for insider Tyler Loletta reported the Tampa Bay Buccaneers (laughs) held a boat parade earlier today to celebrate their Super Bowl 55 championship on a sun splash day with thousands of fans lining the Hillsborough River near downtown Tampa. And there's Tom showing up in style in his uh, sky blue speedboat, two million cool ones. And I'm going to tell you how he paid for that Uh, to celebrate the Buccaneers dominant win over the Chiefs on Sunday. Brady cruised in that boat parade on his brand new two million dollar boat. The boat named Viva Avida arrived to the parade with a police escort. It was quite a scene. In addition to his base salary with the Buccaneers, Brady earned an extra 2.25 million dollars in postseason incentives with bonuses cashing in for Tampa Bay making the playoffs, reaching the Super Bowl, winning. And paying for that boat. Uh, wagering note, Big D. DraftKings took the largest wager for $3.46 million on Tampa Bay, plus three and a half from our old friend, Houston Furniture Store owner, Jim Mattress Mac McIngville. He, uh, he cashed in, Big, big uh, Jim. And BetMGM took $2.5 million bet on Kansas City at minus 165. So uh, BetMGM did okay. But uh, hey, Mattress Mac, Big D, he came through this time. Yeah.
0: Uh, I heard the 2.2 may have been Mayweather on the losing uh, Chiefs, but I, I, I don't too. have any uh, factual basis for that. But, well, you know, Brady, um, Rick, is not the bread you know, winner
3: of the family. Oh, no, I, that I do know.
0: Giselle you know, is right. the bread winner. I mean, Giselle makes more than Brady's made in his career on like a weekend in front of the camera. I know. <laughs> she's amazing. I mean, she's I... worth, like, I mean, he's like a peon compared to her. Yeah. it's
3: Crazy. I saw a beautiful video. We couldn't play it. It was an NFL video of Brady looking for his family at the at, at the during the celebration of the game on the field. And they said, "Tom, you're looking for somebody." I'm looking for my family. And he saw his son, and the way he ran over and embraced him, yeah, hugged saw. his daughter. I mean, I mean, such genuine love for his wife. He got a little bit of the black, you know, eye grease on her, and yeah. he we wiped it off. And man, it was just man. I touched. There's me.
0: also like, a video of her and the kids. They're their uh, trip across the field looking for him, that's actually even better than the one of him looking for them. So yeah, check that one out. Well, you,
4: was his son running down the, down the thing trying to uh, – No, know. he wasn't, wasn't <laughs> running, wasn't streaking, wasn't – uh,
0: well, I, mean, I don't know, walk. but they seem like about the perfect family. They do. They really and,
4: do. And you know, you know what else is pretty interesting? His, his ex-wife and him. I guess they have a pretty good relationship as well because they have a kid together. And I guess they were
3: involved in the celebration. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York sports venues can reopen at 10% capacity. Woo! Aaron Walsh of Yard Barker reports fans of New York sports franchises will finally get to attend games in person after nearly one year away provided the teams allow fans according to ESPN's Malika Andrews New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced Wednesday that sports venues can open at 10% capacity on February 23rd fans must have must return a negative PCR test within 72 hours of an event masks and social distancing will be required along with temperature checks you're going to check your temperature when you walk Big D. It's unclear if Cuomo will make fans wear two masks to sporting events. That'd be considered a double play. And Cuomo allowed the Bills to host over 6,000 fans for their two home playoff games against the Annapolis Colts and Baltimore Ravens just last month. And uh, Chris Seewick of Yahoo Sports wrote, if you want to watch subpar basketball in person during a pandemic, the New York Knicks will have you. The Knicks announced just Wednesday that they will be hosting 2,000 fans at games starting on February 23rd. So if you want to go stomach the Knicks, knock yourself out.
0: Um are you done with the
3: Brady story? Yes. Well I'm done with Brady.
0: Okay. Um well okay so <laughs> I mean I I guess you and Geo didn't um so
3: No, no, no fault of Geo's. I, I forgot.
0: Tom Brady was not done with the boat. He he was he showed up in the boat to start the day. But the the, uh. the day quickly went downhill um and ended with with just a little too much fun for Tom, so let's let's roll that G. So here's the middle of the oh, day. Yeah. Here's Brady with the Lombardi Trophy, throwing it. <laughs> throwing it. Come on. And then so then they went to the bar, and well, when Tom went to leave, he was, <laughs> he was he was a little rough, and he tweeted about it, as you see on the right side of the screen, which you have to love. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Just a little, a little, a little, a little tequila he,
4: He's like, hey honey, go deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tequila, Tom. So you Tom uh, Tom was having fun with himself, which you have to love. Uh that he took it right on, straight on. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him, because he was uh he had a little too much fun there at Tampa, but I can't blame him.
4: Take my hand, Tom.
0: That,
3: w- <laughs> <laughs> that would leave you with one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, He was in he was in rupture. There so all right. What else in sports oh, Rick?
3: Man. And just one more, Mavericks to resume playing National Anthem in accordance with NBA policy. Yard Barker, Aaron Walsh reporting. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban confirmed he stopped the National Anthem from being played at Dallas' home games this season. However, that will not continue on Wednesday when the Atlanta Hawks come to town. According to The Athletic's Shams Sharnia, NBA Chief Communications Officer Mike Bass, announced that all teams will play the National Anthem before games in accordance accordance with league policies. Cuban released a statement on the matter saying that the Mavericks will resume playing Playing the anthem, his hope is that people will just be just as passionate about social justice issues as they are about the national anthem being played. When NBA players put an increased focus on social justice issues while playing at the Walt Disney World bubble, Cuban became one of their biggest supporters. He previously expected his team to stand during the national anthem before pivoting. So we know Mark Cuban is not a big, fan, a big favorite on our show.
0: I mean, I don't, I've only got a minute left here, so I don't have time to get into Mark Cuban on his own deciding to not play the national anthem uh, in the, the arena. disgrace. And thinking that there's some excuse that he thinks he could come up with to justify that, um, I'd like to know if Mr. Cuban thinks there's another country that he could go to and be worth $10 billion as he is, leaving, l- living the life that he is. And still have, um, I, I don't know, I don't want to go too far and say hatred for the country, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is if it's not. I don't know what it is. I don't know why these guys cannot separate the, um, the country, the people who have died for the country, the founding of the country, what the country is. Uh, we send men and women to go defend this country of all colors, creeds, religion, sex, a rainbow coalition, as they say. Yep. I, I, ju- I just, things like this, I will just never understand. from Studio 6 B, Hour 2 on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Of course, the Real America's Voice app. You can download it for free from the App Store, iOS, Android, all platforms. Of course, all OTT platforms as well. Your Apple TV, your Roku. A lot of people watch on Roku. We're on the Roku channel as well on Roku. They have their own, uh, it's called the Roku channel, which is also free. And I believe they have news um segment in real America's voice we're live there as well so there's plenty of places you can watch us watch the old shows of course on the real America's voice app online America's News, where now you can live chat during the show yeah as well so um hey didn't you just get an email did I get an email I've gotten a lot of emails (laughs) but I haven't gone through them but um so a lot of things to get to here, and I'm not really sure. Well, let's, let's, let's continue on the Mark Cuban here, even though it's top of the second hour. Let's just All for right. one second. Jen Psaki was asked about this today, and I want you to listen to her response. To This is, when, this is before the NBA sent out um, their whatever you want to call it, I guess, what was it, Rick? An email, a, an alert, a newsletter, a, yeah. a, an official notice? Uh, yeah, Public all Relations Department okay. yeah, sent well, out the, the, a statement. The, said, the
4: old CYA. Hey, exactly. get back in line.
0: Said, well, uh, no, you're going to be playing the anthem. After Mark Cuban, on his own, decided, no, no, we're not going to play it anymore. We're not going to play it anymore. This guy's worth $10 billion. He's come from nothing in this country. I'm sure he's worked hard. He's been afforded the life of... Um, most people could never imagine. Right. Nah, we're not going to play the anthem. Oh, because I'm, I'm hoping everybody's in, worried about social justice and the players kneeling. What? So Jen Psaki's asked about it today. Here's her response.
7: Roll it. What does President Biden think about the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, uh, deciding to indefinitely stop playing the national anthem before his... National Basketball Association games.
2: Well, I I haven't spoken with the president about the decision by Mark Cuban on the Dallas Mavericks uh, or the I should say the national anthem. But I know he's incredibly proud to be an American and has great respect for the anthem uh, and all that it represents, especially for our men and women serving in uniform around the world. He'd also say uh, that. Of course, that part of, the, of pride in our country means recognizing moments where we as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals, which is uh, often uh, and at times what people are uh, speaking to um, uh, when they take action at sporting events. Uh, and it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. That's why he ran for president in the first place, um, and uh, that's what he's focused on doing every day.
0: When the country hasn't lived up to its... Um ideals which we've heard from joe biden as a candidate as well america was an idea it was an idea but it never lived up to it we heard that a bunch of times yeah and
4: of course he was with the uh you know the the apologist known as uh, barack obama he was his sidekick for eight years so you know where where that that apple hasn't fallen far from the tree
0: It is stunning that people like Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Mark Cuban, I'm sure I could, LeBron James, they're all down for the revolution here, have been afforded the life of, I I don't even know how to put into words. They grew up in a country where they were free to do whatever they wanted to do. They were afforded upward mobility. They were afforded the ability to work hard and see the success of it. Mark Cuban's worth ten five, ten billion dollars. Yep. Barack Obama's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Joe Biden's worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. In this country, nowhere else LeBron James is worth hundreds of millions of dollars to take a little ball up and down the court and throw it in the nowhere else could they do this. And we send men and young men and women on this country all over the world to these hellholes to defend our liberty and to defend this country and these jackasses trash the country at any turn they can after they live like kings that that most of us could never ever imagine it is repulsive to a degree that i cannot come up with words to describe how infuriating It is to continue to see things like this, especially, but it's about social justice. Don't you know,
4: especially when you refer to somebody like, um, you know, Mark Cuban, who if, if he was this rich in Russia, he'd be considered an oligarch and he would probably disappear if he said anything negative same thing in china if he said anything they haven't found jack ma yet the world's uh, the world's richest guy from china uh, because he said something negative about the country he disappeared they haven't been able to find him since october think about that and then okay you really you really want to go on on that hill there mark and just trash Your consumers, your, 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 basically your customers, your entire, the entire country, because, well, you just want to fit in with the cool kids now because the nerd grew up and, and did good. Come on, dude. Think bigger. It's unbelievable. And especially, especially grifters like Biden and Obama. Geez, they haven't even done anything. At least, at least Cuban came up with a, what digital channel. He was the first one to do that and sold it and made a mint and then bought the team and you know stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James has a has a world class talent that you can't teach. It's something that you're either born with or you don't. And he chose to you know make make himself even better by working hard at it and gets rewarded for it but and that's affor- great.
0: But he's afforded the opportunities to take that talent and make hundreds of millions of dollars in this country. Exactly. No other country with the same talent would he be living this life. Right. That's why these NBA players who have talent come here to play. Yep. To get away from their oppression and oppressive government that they have in these other places. Yeah. Think, think about all the Cuban baseball players that risk their lives
4: on these, these little uh, you know, pieces of wood with uh, tires attached to them as a boat trying to escape a country so they can, they can try and make it in America to do things that they can't do in the communist country of Cuba. And it goes for the say, same in Russia and goes for the same in China. Those athletes, they're not allowed to leave. If they even get a whiff that you're going to leave, you disappear. That doesn't happen here. And, and they failed to just, they just want to say, well, you know, uh, we had slavery. Yeah, uh, okay. And we got rid of it. So many other countries in this world still have slavery. Go talk to them if you're so angry and woke.
0: So there's an article in Town Hall by radio host Mark Davis. I believe he's a radio host. He emailed Mark Cuban about this. He said, um, so my compartmentalization will be complete disapproval of the nuking of the anthem, tempered by my constant appreciation for the kind of owner and the kind of person you are. Those things matter, and I want you to have your side represented when callers start to weigh in, because how I know how this is going to go. So Cuban replied, um with a primer of what led to his decision, Mr. Davis wrote. And and this is what he says, paraphrasing, I guess, he says what Mark Cuban wrote back to him. He said, first, thanks for emailing. Second, we had not played it yet at a game this year. Which, by the way, okay, that on its own is surprising to me. And it's surprising to me that that there's season ticket holders that would put up with that, quite frankly that wouldn't ask any questions, that would be okay with that. Especially in Texas. Yeah. I wanted to see if anyone noticed, he said, and I realized we didn't have fans, but we had media staff from other teams in the building. No one said a word. Now, the reason why in the first place, not for any disrespect for the anthem, just the opposite. Here is the exact logic. During our games... Most people don't even show up in time for the anthem. That's lame. You know, uh, you know this. You have been to games, he says to Mark Davis. When they are at the game on the concourse, they don't stop. Many won't take off their hats. Some don't even stand. On top of that, the anthem has been weaponized rather than referred to as a symbol of unity. Do you stop where you are when the anthem is played? Well, I, I believe most people do. I do. I do. And I believe most yeah. people do. I, do.
4: And I always see people grabbing somebody who, does, who has their hat on, yep. rips it off their head, hands it to them, and they don't go and put it back on. They go, oh, yeah, sorry. They didn't
0: realize. So Cuban says, I do as well, no matter where I am. But most people do not. I don't agree with that. Uh, as a point of history, are you aware that the Mavericks did not play the anthem at all during the first 16 years of the franchise? Uh, all of this may be true. How is it relevant to today? I, I'm not understanding, but let me go on. I'm not against the anthem, he says. I'm certainly not against playing it going forward. I don't know our plans. I'm going to listen to everyone, but I won't be bullied one way or another. It's easy to say that this is the way it's always been for the last hundred years, but that's not the way it's always been uh, for the Mavericks. I would rather not play it if people won't respect it when we do play it, and I would rather not play it if it's going to be used as a weapon when people disagree with what it represents. Um, so Mr. Davis says, well, where do, where do I go first here? I suggested that games with no fans is an odd place to weigh whether people missed the anthem or not. Maybe they thought it was omitted until fans could attend, which is actually underway right now. The return of fans, I said, invites the return of other images of normalcy, like the national anthem at games. Um, Quote, for the people who are in seats, it means a lot. Their experience should not be sacrificed because of some stragglers on the concourse level. I believe this is Mr. Davis now writing back to Mr. Cuban. As for the symbol of unity that went out the window when players decided to kneel, a gesture of severe offense uh, a severe offense to countless fans, no matter how worthy the cause. Okay, so that's Mark Davis writing to Cuban. He says, Cuban returned... Uh, to the fan nonchalance, which makes him wonder why the anthem is such a big deal. Quote, this is now Cuban, it's not some, Mark, it's most people don't show up on time. Most don't stop. Where was this response for the first 16 years of the Mavericks? Doesn't it bother you more that the anthem in sporting events has been weaponized? It bothers me. That is the ultimate disrespect. What if most people feel that it should not be played? And that was the unifying position. When I stopped the playing... I expected someone to say something. There were no fans, but there was staff from both teams and media. We often showed the anthem on the television in the past. No one said a word, not one single word. Again, no final decision has been made, but it's not like the response is all negative. Far from it. Many people are relieved. Does their perspective not count? And this goes on and on. It's in Town Hall. Again, I'll link it on our social media sites. I'm not sure how any of this is relevant. I mean, either you, I don't know, you know, again, I guess not everybody has the same you know, feelings on this, but to me, I, I just don't see the national anthem is the national anthem. It's the national anthem. Yeah.
4: And, and his response is just lame. He's going to listen to everyone. Who cares about everyone? It's your team. You're the leader. Set the tone, you're the boss. You decide, you know, who's going to be on the team, who's going to, you know, who's going to be hired, fired, uh, drafted, what have you. It's your team. It's a reflection of you. So set the tone.
0: All right, more on impeachment. I got an article from the New York Post I want you to hear. Goes against the Democrats' um, narrative. All right, seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday night. Let's do some news, and here with that news, with a story that's—I don't know how it could have been timed any better, given your what even is that last night. I know, right? As the first thing I thought of when I saw
4: this this morning, I was like, "Where was this? Where was this yesterday, man?" I'm talking about Bruce Springsteen. Yes, we know him, uh, despise him from his uh, Jeep commercial during the Super Bowl. But guess what? If you haven't heard, Bruce Springsteen was arrested for DWI and reckless driving back in November. Yeah. Was it in the Jeep? Uh, We don't know what he was driving at the time. But uh, I I can tell you this much. It happened in his home state of Jersey, man. man. Uh, Bruce Springsteen was arrested for a DWI a few months ago while at a park in his home state of New Jersey. The incident took place in November at the Gateway National Recreation Center. A public affairs officer confirmed to Fox News on Wednesday. On November 14th, Bruce Springsteen was arrested and received three citations For DWI, reckless driving and consuming alcohol in a closed area, the statement read. Public affairs spokesperson added that Springsteen 71 was cooperative throughout the arrest. Um, Also, news of Springsteen's arrest comes days after the musician starred in a Super Bowl ad for Jeep calling on Americans to unite and find unity. Uh, And then, of course, not to be outdone, There's a follow-up to this story. Believe it or not, Jeep has weighed in. They weighed in a little bit uh, just before showtime that they put a pause on the Springsteen ad campaign following his drunk driving charge. Jeep has officially paused its Bruce Springsteen ad uh, that aired during the Super Bowl, following the revelation that the pro-Biden rocker was arrested for drunk driving in November.
0: Yeah, they they didn't pull it because of that. They pulled it because they got so much backlash; they had no <laughs> choice. Exactly.
4: The Jeep spokeswoman said it would be inappropriate for us to comment on the details of the matter we have only read about, and we cannot substantiate. Um, She also said, but it's also right that we pause our big game commercial until the actual facts can be established. Its its message of community and unity is is as relevant as ever, as is the message that drinking and driving can never be condoned. Uh, The commercial debuted, of course, Super Bowl Sunday during the broadcast and was seen by several million viewers additionally on YouTube. And on Wednesday, the commercial was pulled. From YouTube and all online platforms after news broke about Springsteen's arrest.
3: You might see Bud Light and Jeep get together for a commercial next year for the Super Bowl. Do a little collaboration <laughs> with the boys.
4: <laughs> I'm sure he's probably going to write a song about this experience and share it with me. You know, it was a son of unity yeah. because he was behind the wheel in New Jersey. And it just w- had a few
0: drinks too many. <laughs> if, it was, um, if it was somebody who supported... The president, they oh. would never do another commercial ever again. They'd probably never work again.
4: Oh, if they supported Trump? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 he'd be, whoever would be, would Get be uh, taken off in a boat, dropped in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, say, swim back. Um, but that's, you know, the, it's, a, it's a totally different uh, standard that they hold these people to.
0: Yeah. All right. What else in the news?
4: Uh, that was, uh, that was just so pleasant for me uh candace owens believe it or not she's in the news what she's... Is,
0: what, when i say what else is in the news what is the <laughs> delay between the end of one story and the beginning of the next story well, Are you just deciding because, what you want to report on or because what is I, it exactly? I thought
4: you were going to say something more on bruce so i was expecting you to say something well i more. know i don't give a
0: damn about bruce all right man conservative comments try it again (laughs) so what else is going on
4: (laughs) well it turns out conservative commentator candace owens tweeted on saturday that she might consider a run for the nation's top office she says i love america thinking about running for president owens tweeted so far the post has garnered more than a quarter million likes and uh Also wrote that this won't age well. She wrote Sunday regarding the the tweet uh, because of the modern Republican Party as an authoritarian white nationalist party and said that Owens, who is a black woman, would never be the nominee. She was responding to a tweet from another person who wrote that today's GOP is a white nationalist party and Candace Owens could never be uh, part of that party and run for president. So that's what she was responding to as well.
0: Yeah, well, there's no one on they they won't like her running because of the first thing you said she said in her quote of why she wants to run, which I believe was I love this country, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's an automatic no good. disqualifier for the left that you can't you can't have that. that. that's that's no good to start. Right. Um and then I saw when she announced this, this, this she tweeted this a couple of days ago, uh that um Anna Navarro, who's really one of the more um Repulsive people to have to watch on TV ever, and how she keeps getting on TV is beyond me. I don't know. I don't know how she does, but she does. She was on The View and she was talking to, well, Van Jones of all people, who you would think they spent some time on CNN together, a lot of lot of time. Anna Navarre used to be there all time, and of course her her title is Republican whatever strategist, which I just laugh at (laughs) every time I see. But there she is with Van Jones, who I would think they align about on everything. And she's saying to Van Jones, well, don't you feel terrible that you took pictures with her or or something to that effect? Took pictures with her. Yeah. And Van Jones is going, no, not at all. I like Candace. We could agree. This is, you know, we're going to have Dr. Ben Carson on. Did I I talk about this? No, you didn't. Dr. Ben Carson's coming on tomorrow. Nice. And his new organization is fantastic. And... This is one of the things I'm going to ask him. We have got we have we have totally moved away from the idea of you can disagree politically on every single thing. Now that equals we can't even be friends or talk. Yeah. The idea of a show like Crossfire or Hannity and Combs back in the day or anything, We're, we, you can't even talk about it. I remember watching Senator Joe Lieberman, who we would probably disagree on <laughs> most everything politically, but he would always sit down and have the debate with you. And I have to say, Van Jones, in a lot of respects, is the same way. I've heard him sit down with people who he probably agrees with nothing about but he'll have the debate he'll engage won't won't you know Anna Navarro says to him whoa aren't you um, don't you aren't you embarrassed that you took pictures with her and he says well no no Anna why, why would I no and she just goes on attacking him that he took pictures with not that they were discussing uh Abortion, or I mean, I you know nothing. He took a picture with her, and she was trashing him about it.
4: Well, remember they they came after him when they found out that he was uh, talking to members of the Trump administration. You know, last year about working w- working with them to try and advance uh, some policies that he you know he was trying he, he was in favor of, and they savaged him for that as well.
0: Y- you, it's to the point where you can't even have a debate on the issues and talk, listen, make your points, listen to their points. Maybe you're persuaded. Maybe you think they're an idiot, but have the debate civilly. And I mean, look at Justice Ginsburg and um, Justice Scalia. They became like the best of friends. They probably agreed on almost nothing when it came to judicial philosophy, but yet they were able to vehemently defend their positions and then leave outside of that and go on trips together and go to dinners together. And it's almost hard to find anybody, especially in the media, who's even willing to do that anymore.
4: Yeah. And keep in mind what happened to uh, uh, John uh, Lieberman as well. Joe Lieberman, is that he had to leave the Democratic Party because they kept coming after him just because he was trying to, you know, work with the Republicans when he was a Democrat. He ended up being an independent.
0: It's um, it's pretty unbelievable. (laughs) Right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Rick's going to do some more news here in a second. I wanted to get to a couple things. We've got a couple crazy towns to get to. But before, before we get to those, um, I heard a lot of talk today about the president, that he was planning all of this, talking maybe secretly. I don't know if he was sending, like, Morse code to people, but he was planning this insurrection, you know, for weeks and months by his, um, his language. And how he was speaking. And I, I guess none of us were aware of that or heard it. But that was the story today. So I went to try to go find some of his speech where he was talking, you know, inciting people or talking like a tough guy. And, um, well, this is, all, this is all I could come up with right here.
2: What do you do? You make it to the general. You're on the debate stage. He starts making fun of your age, your mental state.
6: I, mean- I said, come on, Donald. Come on, man. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish we were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. I'm looking forward to this, man. You walk behind me in a debate. Come here, man. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Or let's start a real physical revolution, if you're talking about it. The idea that I'd be intimidated by Donald Trump. He's the bully he used to make fun when I was a kid and a stutter and I would smack him in the mouth.
4: Would you really fight the president, sir?
6: I was talking about high school. Go back and read what I said. How many push-ups do you, Focus on this man, what he's doing that no president has ever done no president, ask the right question. Why attack tax Why, 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 why? Yeah, why? You're getting nervous, man. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Didn't that what you said? I bet you worked straight, Jack. Any guy who talked that way was usually the fattest, ugliest SOB in the room. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. I will beat him like a drum. I will beat him like a drum. I think the boy knows that I'll beat him like a drum. I hope I demonstrate that I can take a punch. And if I'm me, he's going to understand what punches mean. You're talking about taking on Donald Trump with fisticuffs yeah. behind the gym. So I brought something along for you that might be helpful to you in your new <laughs> well, thank uh, you. endeavor. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> very presidential, don't you think?
4: And it's very calming and, uh, you know, peace loving.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I found that. I actually found um, the House managers overseeing impeachment. Um, they're an interesting crew. Uh, Raskin is the lead impeachment. I want to just remind you of Brian Raskin in 2016. Roll it, G
6: what purpose is Member Wright? I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified because they violated Florida's prohibition against dual office holding. The debate is out of order. Section 15 and 17 of the Title III of the United States Code require that any objection be presented in writing, signed by both members of the House of Repres- both a member of the House of Representatives and a senator. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? It is in writing, Mr. President? Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained.
0: Oh, that's uh, Brian Raskin, I believe his name is. He's the lead house manager on impeachment now. He's very um you know, he's very uh got to do everything right. Well, there he is challenging the election in 2016 certification. When he knows it's not going to be accepted because he knows the rules. He uh, as he's told us, he taught constitutional law for years. He knows how it works. Oh. There he is though. There he is. And we're supposed to we're supposed to be listening to him and Eric Swalwell Who's sleeping with a Chinese spy, and he's still on the um, intelligence committee. We're supposed to take him seriously, and Ted Lieu, and all these crackpots who told us about Russia, Russia, Russia for four damn years. Oh, they're on this pedestal now. Pay attention. Yeah, okay. Uh, All right, a couple crazy towns before we get to the news. Uh, Joe Biden was in front of a microphone, so we have a crazy town. Here it is. Roll it. it
4: Oh, you gotta be
6: kidding! Me. Thank you. I will work with Secretary Austin and the leaders around the world to bring responsible and responsible end to wars that have dragged on. I will never, ever dishonest, dishonor you. I will never disrespect you. And. Kathy Williams, the first African American woman, Kathy, who enlisted in the United States Army, for the proud Tuskegee Tuskegee Airmen. That's why we moved so quickly to overturn the discriminatory discriminatory ban. This is an organization that has defined American. Excuse me, defeated American enemies. I will never, ever dishonest you. D- dishonor you. I will never disrespect you.
4: Telling you before the end of the summer,
6: the
0: difference between that guy and even the guy I just played you in the clip of him being a tough guy is a chasm apart.
4: I don't even know what that is, but it's it seems appropriate.
0: It is so wide, the difference between those two. I'm not joking either. It's not funny, too. I feel bad for him in in some respects that he's he's being put out there like this, and no one is at least, I mean, he's, I don't know. It's just just unbelievable. The difference between those two brains and how they're operating is um, apparent to, I mean, Ray Charles could see that. That's how apparent it is. It's not even close. He literally cannot speak complete sentences with a teleprompter, with notes. I mean, it's, it's hard to even understand what he's saying as he's talking when he is getting the words out.
4: Because sometimes they're the wrong words. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want
0: to dishonest you. I mean, you know. He can't get them out after that. He can't get, can't get the no. words out. Let's do the news. I mean, unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. All right, jumping
4: over to uh, to Washington D.C., Representative Steve Scalise uh, actually touched upon something we were talking about yesterday, and it has to do with your kids and going to school. Maybe your children. Need a union to compete with the teachers' union, he said. And I'm so mad because this was my idea today. Uh, as some teachers' unions oppose resuming regular in-person education due to coronavirus concerns, Republican House Republican Whip uh, Steve Scalise says the American schools should be reopened. Maybe you need a children's union to compete with the teachers' union because the children need to be represented, Scalise said during an interview on the John Solomon Reports podcast. So many millions of children right now are being denied future opportunities because their local union is standing in the way of those parents being able to send their kids back to school safely. And it can be done. The guidance and the science is
0: there. The will needs to be there too. We were on this yesterday talking about this plan that was put forward. Pathetic. I mean, it's going backwards from where we are in most parts of the country already. Jen Psaki had follow-up on this today. First one is 31G Rollit.
1: I could just follow up with you on
6: comments you made yesterday about school reopenings. This is Kristen Welker from NBC. said More than 50% of schools to have some teaching in person at least one day a week. You said you hoped it would be higher. But why is the administration setting the bar at one day a week? Why not go higher? Well,
2: certainly we are not uh, planning to uh, celebrate at 100 days if we reach that goal. Uh, that is our own effort to make our own, set our own markings, bold and, a, and, a, set in a bold and ambitious agenda for how we're going to measure ourselves and progress. Stop but it. Uh, bold, serve- bold
0: and ambitious. <laughs> that is neither bold nor ambitious nor even plausible that, that, that this could be what they try to do in 100 days, one day a week. Now, that may be. That may be Biden's schedule. We all wish he would undertake that schedule. Work one day a week and then just go off somewhere and stay the hell out away from the cameras and, and don't totally ruin the country for, for the first two years before the Republicans take everything back over, God willing. But how is that? how does she refer to that as a goal, an ambitious one?
2: I mean, it's pathetic. Go ahead hope to build from that even at 100 days and from there, our objective, the president's objectives, is for all schools to reopen, to stay open, uh, to be open five days a week, for kids to be learning. That's what our focus is on. This is simply a goal for 100 days. So Ken, a lot of schools are already doing that and for working parents, one day a week doesn't help a whole lot. That's, again, the bar of where we'd like the majority of schools across the country to be, which they're not at this point in time. they are. And we want to build from there. And it really depends. It it differs from school district to school district. Part of the reason that there is funding in the American uh, Rescue Plan is to ensure that school districts that don't have the funding they need, to ensure they are equipped to reopen, to meet that bar and exceed it, uh, are able to do exactly that.
0: An abys- that's an abysmal answer. That's a and terrible she, answer. And she wasn't done getting pressed on it. Next one, G, roll it.
7: And then on schools, when President Biden talked for the last couple months, Peter particularly during Fox. the transition, about reopening schools within the first 100 days, mm-hmm. why didn't he ever mention the small print that that was just going to be for one day a week as the goal?
2: Well, again, the president uh, made uh, set a goal. Of reopening the majority of schools uh, within 100 days, and when you asked what that meant, I answered the question. So uh, we are—that uh, is the—that is not the ceiling; that is the—that uh, is the bar we're trying to leap over and exceed. And as I said in response to Christian's Christian's question, the president wants to not just open schools, he wants them to stay reopened. He wants kids to be back in school learning five days a week. He wants everybody, parents to feel safe, teachers to feel safe. That's why he asked uh, his Department of Education and the CDC to work together on guidelines. That's why he's put funding, proposed funding in the American Rescue Plan, because he knows that's not going to happen on its own. It's going to need some assistance to make it make it reality.
7: Is there a thought that this goal, though, that you guys are setting uh, for the first 100 days is more of a dry run for next year, because 100 days from January 20th, April 30th, that's when a lot of schools are getting ready to close for the year anyway. Yeah.
2: Well, it just happens that January 20th is when every president is inaugurated. So we can't change that. And 100 days, we felt, was a period of time, a measurable period of time, where we could set a goal, measure ourselves against, hopefully leap way past that goal. Uh, you know, that's always our objective. Uh, and then build from there. Uh, and you're right, schools won't be in session for the summer. But uh, this is a pandemic. We're working to get under control. Making progress every month, and we're certainly hopeful that things will be uh, more kids will be back in school five days a week as quickly as it can safely happen.
0: Thank you. <laughs> By September, Peter, we're hoping for a day and a half. Yeah. Whoa, that would be nice. She she refuses to address the core issue, which is that I don't know what the number is. I'll, let's let's go low. Seventy percent of schools in this country are already surpassing their stupid goal. Of one day a week. As a matter of fact, of all the people I know who are teachers, family members, and all states, I don't know of a single district that is not more than one day a week right now. This is this is where the audience can come in. You can either at lfs6b on Twitter, direct message me, email me. Only email me though, because I can't go through nine thousand emails. If you are a district. <laughs> That is working under one day a week. I would expect to get no emails. And if I do, then fine. I'll tell you where it is. But I don't think there's many out there. 13 till the hour no emails on schools yet some in the chat but i, I don't think um modeling what dc area is doing what'd you say was maryland <laughs> uh still D- virtual DC all virtual just,
4: yeah just outside of maryland well or maryland just outside of dc actually.
0: okay so uh i did get an email though from um john from omaha nebraska i don't want to say his last name but john says well, first of all, he says, you guys suck, which is, <laughs> I, thought, I knew one of these was coming now. I and mean, he says, I'm just kidding. But then he says this, and I think this is great. He says, I'm a 51-year-old dad of teen daughters that watch your show along with me. Oh. Yes, it's a miracle, he says. I've turned several people on to you, um, and he's entertaining, informative, you know, so uh, thank you very much. But, well, good for them, and let me speak to them now, do not um, although we, you're in Nebraska, I, I, well, I don't know. I guess the education system, <laughs> you gotta be careful. Don't, don't, don't get indoctrinated by these whack job teachers who try to tell you that, um, the 1619 project and that the country is irredeemably systemically anything because it's not, it's the greatest place in the world and there's nothing even close to it. And, um, Keep watching us and listen to other people. Levin, a lot of great people. Love of country you'll uh, always have. So, uh, good for them. Then, thanks for writing in, John. Um, all right, let's do sports. And here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All
3: right, Big D. And one of my followers, Jimmy Pack, watches the show every night. He said, East Tennessee School is five days a week thanks to Governor Lee. Of course. Here you go. Five-four at the... My kids
0: may be right now in one of the lower tiers. They're three days one week, two days another week, and then yeah. the other days they're virtual, while the other half of the school goes on those days.
4: Yeah, and our district is four, four days on, one day off. So, But they still have to check in online and do all that stuff. So I don't know why the fifth day is now, you know, they can't do a fifth day. It makes no sense, but whatever. At least the kids are back in school, and it's amazing the difference. Because now they have energy again. Yep, they're having fun. They're coming back, you know, coming back from school, and, and yep. you know they've been hanging out with their friends. And even though they, they got school stuff, that that connection that they're making with their friends is so huge. Because when they were they were cooped up in their rooms, man, you didn't see them, and it, it, I felt bad. It, it's depressing to watch.
3: So I'm glad they're back in. All right, heading back to sports, and speaking of schools, NCAA Men's Basketball Finals Division I. This one final, Virginia over Georgia Tech, 57-49. Houston rolled South Florida, 82-65. Houston's Quentin Grimes with 29 points elite lead all scorers. And Iowa has beaten Rutgers, 79-66. Tennessee leads Georgia 67-54 late in the second. And right now, early on, Mississippi over Missouri by one. And Villanova's up on Marquette by four. And later on tonight, Wisconsin visits Nebraska. Uh, NHL final. Rangers lost to the Bruins 3-2 in overtime. And the Maple Leafs right now lead the Montreal Canadiens 3-1. That's in the third. NBA. Raptors 103-91 in the third. The uh, Hawks are leading the Mavericks, where they did play the National Anthem tonight, 86-77, also in the third. Timberwolves over the Clippers, 37-29. And Grizzlies lead the Hornets, 82-73 in the third. And the Nets are really flying tonight, 62-30 over the Pacers. Kyrie Irving with uh, 16 points leads all scorers, and that's still in the third. And the Nuggets over the Cavaliers, 28-14. That's early first. And here we go. Yahoo Sports. Jason Owens reports Chiefs place assistant coach Britt Reed on leave amid investigation into car crash. The Kansas City Chiefs announced last night that the team has placed outside linebackers coach Britt Reed on administrative leave amid an investigation into a car crash that left a five-year-old girl in critical condition with brain injuries. According to a police report, Reid, the son of head coach Andy Reid told police that he had two to three drinks in addition to a prescription drug Adderall before Uh. getting behind the wheel of his truck and crashing into two cars, pulled off the side of a Missouri highway near the Chiefs facility last Thursday. Police are also investigating whether a cell phone use uh, played a role in the crash according to KSHB in Kansas City. The collision left five-year-old Ariel Young hospitalized in critical condition with bleeding and swelling in her brain. Her four-year-old cousin was also reportedly seriously injured in the crash. The Kansas City Chiefs announced on Tuesday that the team has placed them on on administrative leave amid the investigation. Um, Uh, An update from Ariel's Aunt Tiffany Verhulst on Tuesday stated that Ariel remains unconscious and in critical condition. Reed, 35, has a history of substance abuse struggles and spent five months in jail in 2007 after pleading guilty in a Philadelphia road rage incident that saw him point a gun at another driver while in possession of a controlled substance. He also pleaded guilty to driving under the influence in a separate 2007 incident. Reed has not been charged and remains under the investigation for last week's crash as officials await the results of a toxicology report. And I know, Big D, you had alluded to some of Andy Reed's son's problems in the family. Uh- over the years. So really a shame. Let's pray for that little girl at this point, And I'm sure things will be straightened out and brought to justice. Um, NBA to host Slam duck con- Dunk Contest at the duck, Slam Dunk Contest at <laughs> halftime of All-Star Game. Zach Wasnick uh, from Yard Barker reports the NBA continues to press forward with plans for a 2021 All-Star Game on March 7th at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, despite public protests from uh, some of the noteworthy stars. Like uh, LeBron James. I know he's not crazy about an All-Star game this year. However, they are going to go forward with the, uh, with the NBA All-Star game. And that'd be pretty cool, Big D, having an All-Star uh, a slam dunk right in the middle. But I know you're not much on basketball this year. I know you're not watching too much. And just one last one, we got a little NASCAR news, and we got a lot of NASCAR fans at LFS 6B. AP reports, Martin Truex Jr. signs a multi-year deal to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing. Daytona Beach, Florida, they're getting ready. Big race, Valentine's Day, we kick off the season. Martin Truex Jr. has signed a multi-year agreement to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, where the 2017 NASCAR champion has won eight races in his two years with the team. Truex joined, another great, Denny Hamlin as JGR drivers who signed contract extensions this month true hamlin and kyle bush along with christopher bell are all signed at gibbs racing through 2022 and the rubber as i said literally meets the road this sunday as the 2021 season opens so go nascar and that's a sports wrap big game. all right
0: crazy town Gensaki was in the uh,
3: briefing room here it is roll it g
2: I've been here long, we're having such fun together. I don't think you want me to get fired on on week three of my time here as the press secretary. Uh, I don't have a a specific update uh, on the, uh, I know there was some uh, reporting on it this morning. Uh, I I think that you're referencing, uh, uh, I believe. Wall Street Journal. Um, so, uh, uh, we'll and uh, the rest of you, uh, the risks of, uh, to U.S. state I should say. Uh, but if we have news to announce, we will announce it, which we'd certainly send you to uh, DOJ <laughs> and others. But there's also an ongoing. Uh, uh, we've just, we've only been here three weeks. Oh. It takes some oh. time, um, and the public uh, seems to like what they're hearing. Uh, but we, this kind of flows into both the national economic, the economic team, and the national security team. Let me talk to them and see if there's any more specifics. Um, you know, when long-term, uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, you know, there have been incredibly narrow and limited circumstances where. Uh, well, uh, you know, we'll wait for the president to actually announce the specific details. Which, um, uh, have come in uh, to the country, awaiting uh, for uh, their hearing, but the the vast majority have been have been turned away. Uh, and he mentioned that when he gave his joint, uh, not joint session speech. Sorry, we weren't in. He wasn't in office yet. I, I'm not. I have not follow this closely, uh, I, I would uh, <laughs> likely send you to the Department of Justice for any I comments on it. I don't have anything She's to preview yet it. for you. I can Ooh. talk to our friends or connect you directly with our our, our colleagues at OMB Watchmaker. and see if there's anything more specific they can preview for you at this sure. point in time. But a vaccine is not a vaccination uh, and uh, in order to get to a place where we are returning back to normal uh, we need to uh, ensure that those vaccines are made and in, turned into vaccinations and that uh, you know the vast uh, that that a large swath of the american public is vaccinated uh, but obviously I, we, we, we defer to our health and medical team working for the federal government um, we <laughs> we have um, I don't have any update i'm sorry the masks make it hard to hear <laughs>
0: Wow. Wow. Rock solid. Wow. He's a star. As always, we salute our military, (laughs) active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Keeping us safe in the greatest country in the world. Thanks, G, thanks, Fran. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thanks you, the great live from Studio 6P audience. We will see you tomorrow night, Thursday night. Back with you in 22. We'll see you then.